you verify that the recording is going? Oh, let me check real quick. Sorry, I'm scrolling up to the top of the page. Okay, hold on. <clears throat> All right. Yes, I see it. All right. Awesome. All <laughs> right. Hey, welcome back to the uh, Sustaniacs. This is episode, I'm I'm not sure, but uh, we're going to call this one Zen and the Art of Mindful Cattle Farming. Uh, and Emma tells me that I actually have pressed recording this time to start <laughs> this. Uh, I'm Michael Vincent, uh, just a random guy trying to do, trying to figure all this stuff out. Emma, introduce yourself to the fine folks and tell them why Zen and the Art of Mindful Cattle Farming is so interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Emma. You know me. I've been here from the very beginning. Um, we have a really cool show for you guys today. Um, it's really about intentional living. When you think it through, realizing we're completely connected to one another and the earth, and we can make a huge difference with very, very small effort. We don't have to be perfect. Um, you're not perfect. You're not the problem. Um, just being present is going to yield huge results. And that will definitely become clear in the show that we have today, um, which is going to be awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it will. A, a couple of, of things that are near and dear to my heart, uh, food and mindfulness, um, both are pretty good stuff, I think. Right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. But hey, before we jump in, you got to go to our, our website, sustainiacs.com. Make sure you're going to the right one. Follow our links that we're sending in there. I'm still trying to figure out how those other goofballs have it, though. But if you get there and they're like guitar pickups, that's not it. Go to our go to go to YouTube and find us and and it and it'll all be great. But you got to check out our merch. There's a little thing that says merch. I even put a video on the website, uh, Emma, that you're I think you're gonna love. I utilized the 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 poisonous goat productions that I have as well love to it. do it. And hey, all the tunes that I put out there, that those are all me. All instruments, everything is me. Wow, I, I didn't those. know that. So That's check cool. out the oh yeah, check out the tunes too. And while you're there. After you know, even before or after you buy this awesome merchandise, because we got beanies, we got uh, sustainable stuff. It's either eco or sustainable, right? Or it's like made out of hemp, or or it's organic cotton, whatever. Trying to find the best stuff that is also eco friendly, organic. You know, as, as best we can do. It's not a ton of stuff out there that is like uh, 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 really affordable, which is kind of what we're fighting here, right? <laughs> kind of yeah. the battle we're fighting. Thank so support too. it, do it. It's good. I got beanies out there. We got hoodies out there. We got totes out there for you to not use single plastic bags. Um, and, and even, uh, metal straws. Wow. I didn't, yep. I didn't metal see that straws. one coming. Let's go. I've had my eye on Oh yeah. So that's going to be, uh, yeah. Totes uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Totes pretty cool. So it's pretty cool. So after you do that or before you do that, uh, one or the other, head down the page. Check out our uh, support our guests and our sponsors. They're, they're going through there in a, ba- in a badge. These guys are sustainable. Learn their stories and check out our upcoming uh, shows that are on there as well. And the link to all the podcasts and all the YouTube uh, shows are are on there as well. So check that out. Emma, I knew you'd be excited about the the merch. You're, oh, yeah. And and I'll tell you what, there's a bunch more. I'll I'll show you where I'm getting this stuff and how to link it and do all that kind of stuff, and you can put some stuff together. It's pretty cool. Um, it's not it's not that hard, and it's it's uh, the hard part is finding the sustainable stuff, right? Yeah, that's I mean, also that's a decent. problem that we have in everyday life, right? Like it's you have to really look to find the stuff that's actually green. So at least it's, it really is. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. But I mean, you're also giving us a good plug here because if you got product or you're looking for it. We're the people who are trying to help you out here. Check us yeah. out. My my headphones are falling off my head. <laughs> Too much. And I didn't even use any oil. I guess my uh, hair gel didn't didn't dry. I did a workout before. <clears throat> Emma, anyways, let's get to the news, Emma. They don't want to hear about my workout unless you want to, you know, what? no, you don't want to see that. Let's, uh, 
let's rock and roll. What do we got here? Yeah, so so I was um, re-listening to the old episode that we had last week with Rosie Sherwood, and you know, yeah, awesome. that was an awesome show, by the way. Amazing cool. show and amazing accent. I was like so drawn in when I hear these British accents. I'm like all in for it. So that was very nice. Did you did you notice at the beginning of that when she goes, "Yeah, lovely." Uh, try it again. It was kind of you could hear through that through that uh, voice and that real sweet. It was kind of like you dumbass. Yeah, you know. it's like it's like a nice <laughs> way to say like, really, are you serious? Let's go. <laughs> really, are you that's are you really that stupid that you didn't record the first ten minutes of the show? <laughs> no, it happens. It's all good. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. I'm sorry. I yeah. Know. No, it's okay. So I was I was listening to this lovely British voice, and I was like, well, I wonder what challenges they're facing over there. Like we talk about a lot of yeah, issues yeah, yeah. in the U.S. and what problems we have because we experience that firsthand, but. You know, there are, there's a whole big world out there besides just America, which is surprising, I know. Um, but so one of these articles that I found was that um, the food czar in England said that the country must reduce their meat intake to avoid a climate breakdown. Um, a big problem with this is that uh, a majority of land use in Great Britain or in England is um, goes to meat production like farms and cattle ranches and stuff like okay. that so All right. um the uk government's foods are says that they have to vastly reduce their consumption of meat and dairy otherwise they're going to go into ecological breakdown throughout the country um the czar actually said it's an incredibly inefficient use of land to grow crops feed them to a ruminant or pig or chicken which then over its life cycle converts them into a very small amount of protein for um for us to eat so that was a that was a huge takeaway for me that I was like, wait, what's going on? Wow. Here? Okay. All right. Yep. So and and we got to mention that this is from the Guardian. H- H- Helena Horton and Fiona Harvey wrote this. It's in the it's it's in the in the Guardian. Uh, so check that out. I star. Okay. I thought somebody misspelled uh, star, but anyways, <laughs> let's, let's move times. forward. Yeah. <laughs> a few times. Yeah. After the <laughs> second one, I begin to think maybe he's trying to say something else. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. So they're saying currently 85%, so 85% of their agricultural land in England is used for pasture, for grazing animals, such as cows or to grow food, right? Mm-hmm. For the livestock, which is where you say he's talking about that incredibly inefficient thing. So they're not growing like food for them to eat. 85% of their, uh, in England, their agricultural land is used for pasture or to grow food, to feed the cows. Uh, Dimbley, who's the czar, said uh, the Leon restaurant chain co-founder and respected voice in conservative circles believes a 30% meat reduction over 10 years is required for land to be used sustainably in England. Others go much further. Greenpeace, they get a little crazy sometimes, but they think it's 70% reduction in meat, right? I bet, I bet PETA's got an even higher percentage, what do you think? Yeah, most likely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it's sometimes Think. it's so hard. It's so hard to know what the right answer is. But I guess in England, this has been incredibly unpopular um, with the public trying to curb this meat usage. Um, like uh, the government, uh, the czar said that the government would fall within a fortnight if a meat tax is implemented, and there's no point in recommending something impossible. Um, and I think that the people of England overall feel that like uh, this would be a huge cultural shift and they just don't feel that it's something that they can feasibly get behind, um, especially because their cuisine 
if I'm not mistaken, I've never been there, would love to go. But I feel like the cuisine is very based around these meat products. So it'd be hard for the public to kind of drag themselves away from that. Um, yeah, I, I, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, one of the things, and there's a chart here and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll throw it up right here. But if you look at this chart, they're looking at the policy proposals and getting like feedback from people to look at it, right? And what they would favor. And they're, they're very, very, um, uh, I, I, I kind of like what people are thinking here. This is kind of where I would break it down as well. Cause like the things that are supportive, you noted at, at the top are set a clear framework on land use. So policies make sense for food production and climate. So let's use our heads here and help the farmers, farmers convert. Let's not throw them out in the cold, you know, like ending mm-hmm. all gas consumption today would just like destroy entire cities and regions of Texas and right. the Dakotas, et cetera, and so on. Um, and their least favorite is increases taxes on processed meat and uh, increase tax on fresh meat and um, setting even uh, mandates for supermarkets uh, and food chains to sell 10% less meat by 2030 was not very popular. Uh, that sounds like something California would put in place. Um, hence, I agree that's not good because then you start having this kind of uh, the government telling you what you're allowed and not allowed to eat. Yeah. Can't we? Can't we use our brains and do this, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show, right? It's just kind of crazy. What do you think about that that chart there? Yeah, I think it's super interesting. It's it's interesting to me that the more popular um, kind of policies that they're recommending are the ones that have to do with animal welfare and the environment, and the less popular ones are more based on like the meat consumption and and um, you know the the taxes on me and the control of what you're allowed to eat. And I think that people, uh, what I'm reading from this chart is that people are not willing necessarily to change. They care about the environment and they care, they care about animals, but they're not necessarily on board with having that concern rule their lives. Um, Cause it does seem like, you know, people don't want to pay taxes. So anything that as little as possible, you want to save your money. And then you get situation where, okay, well, do we have this tax on meat and will this actually get us where we need to go while still making people feel like they have some control over what they choose to do in their, their life with intention. Right. Yeah. So I agree with you. There's that element out there. And there's also this other element I believe that is out there because I would fall in partially the element that you're talking about, although taxation for the right cause and with limits around it and so on and so forth, I don't have a pot. I don't have uh, a real issue with. Yeah. Um, but the other, the other part of it is that slippery slope of, of laws being set to for our own good, right? Because yeah. next thing you know, somebody else is in power and they're setting goals on, on something else and, and laws. And given the government the ability to, to, to do certain things like that, people are going to naturally fault. So I believe that there's a bunch of people out there, myself included, that believe in, in the top portion of this, that the let's help and let's get things done and let's make sense and do it without it becoming a law for me to have to do it. I mean, if you look at some of the like uh, uh, mask uh, mandate uh, protests and so, stuff like that, even with our neighbors to the north in Canada, it wasn't so much about the masks. It was about the fact that the government was saying you have to do this, right? Yeah, and exactly. uh, Because half of those people are better, had their vaccinations and were using their masks. They were just fighting the fact that they weren't given the choice. It was now a law, right? So I guess there's there's some of that as well. I think one of the funniest things in, the, in there is when he goes on to talk about, he says, the French, now this is funny. Uh, the French used to call us roast beef. 
you know? And in the 19th century, you get people who would go over to France and comment on how sickly they were, that English people were strong because they ate lots of beef. That continues today. The public are now actually incredibly supportive of some measures. The salt and the sugar tax was a popular measure, but anything the government got involved in with meat, that was resisted. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. I thought that was no, it. No, it's interesting, though, because it, it is such a staple of that culture. It right? is. Like, and it and is. living in Boston, this is, I, I'm not entirely sure how this is relevant yet, but I'm going to start my sentence and hope I find oh. myself. <laughs> I love living it when we don't Boston, know where something's going to go. <laughs> it's always like the Boston Tea Party, like no taxation without representation. And like this tea was like a huge symbol of British culture. Like you can't come over here and tax the tea because we don't care about it. Like it's just, it's interesting to me, like how big of a deal the meat is to their culture. I mean, like, especially today, I feel like I talk to people pretty frequently, at least in my circle, who at least eat less meat. Um, but you know, we are kind of seeing that culture over there where they're like, no, this is what we eat. Like we don't have alternatives like we have here where we have the veggie burgers and the impossible meats and the, the jerky that's made from tofu or whatever it is. Like this is such a huge yeah. part of their culture. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's very interesting, but it's also interesting that they use, I mean, I don't know if they've seen these numbers, but within the study, they did say that it was 62 per 62.8, almost 63% of land that feeds the UK is used to produce meat. So that's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, that's a lot of land. Even for even in a small country, you have to think of like how much land is actually able to be cultivated. And then instead of you getting to eat that food that's on there, that's going to raise the thing you eat. Like there's two steps in the food chain when theoretically we could just have one, you know? Um, but Manette matters. What? Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, no, it, it's just amazing because that, that, um, the, the chart that we're talking to right, right now, um, it, it's showing domestically and overseas for the UK. So that's right. all of England, right? If I'm, if I'm thinking in correct terms, right? When you talk about England, you're talking about England. When you talk about the UK, you're talking about the UK. Right. I think that correct? this overseas land column, I think that probably means like, I mean, obviously, other parts of the UK, you know, areas, um, other parts, the whole of the UK is what I'm getting at. Right. That that's what that means. Not, I think, I think that's what it means because I know that's not domestic would be England then. And the overseas would be the all of UK. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm I'm thinking. Anyways, it's incredible that eight point eight and a half percent is is used domestically and 8.7% overseas. Because what they're talking about is here is it's UK, and I think we're right here, because it's plants we eat, 17.2%. So 17.2% of the plants they eat, 8.5% of the overseas land is, is used to for right. it's It's crazy uh, to think about that. But what was even more crazy was when you're talking about 80% of the agricultural land in England or 85% of the land, agricultural land is used to either graze or feed the cattle. Mm-hmm. And the pigs and and so and ruminants. What's a ruminant, by the way? Am I am I really stupid that I don't, I don't know what a know. ruminant is? I think it's maybe pol- like another word for poultry, but I'm not hundred okay. percent sure. Okay, yeah. uh, all right. Sure. I thought it was a night. Maybe they eat like um, I don't know something, something weird. weird. <laughs> <laughs> I can say it. I'm British. Okay, I don't. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, crazy stuff. It's, it's cool because it's not cool. It's interesting because like. 
as Great. a scientist, you know, you, you always, we learn about like how much energy you need. And yes, you get like more energy and more protein from these meats, but like you would have to eat more plants to maintain the same like calorie and protein amount that you get with meat. But it, it amounts to so much land that's like just being converted into energy by the things we eat instead of at, like the ratios are, this chart is very, yeah. I guess is what I'm yeah, trying it, to say. It really is. It's very eye-opening. And then, you know, the other part of this is this last part here about uh, Minette Batters, right? Yeah. The president of the National Farmers Union met with Johnson in the days before the publication of the of the food strategy. He's, I guess that's Boris, uh, food uh, strategies, right. warning them that he was in danger of losing the farming vote. And we, we know that he doesn't care about that vote anymore because he, he walked out. But uh, uh he said uh, batters recently uh, said recently that it's criminal to frame farming as meat versus trees and going vegan, adding that an honest conversation about grasslands and the carbon they store hasn't been allowed to happen. Dimly says there's limited truth in pastures being good for the environment. Hopefully they can talk and quit throwing stones at each other uh, and, and get something done. Uh, so, I mean, because, I mean, she's got to fight for her people. He's got to fight for, for his side. Um, and, and hopefully we can both decide on something and fight for the planet. The unfortunate thing is that it's, it comes down to not, it doesn't come down to science at this point. Like right yeah. now it's yeah. down to policy and politics. And instead of it being, okay, well, here's the conversation. Grasslands are good or are not as good as we thought. Like there's no science that's being brought into it. Like we're like, okay, we're going to have an ecological disaster, but then everyone it's like, let's jab at each other instead of talking yeah. about the science and like what we think is best from that scientific standpoint, you know, which is frustrating yeah. for scientists. <laughs> well, no, you're absolutely right. And it, it's got to be fu frustrating for you as a scientist to watch what goes on in, in the United States with things that aren't right. even, and around the world that aren't even even uh, science related or, or, envir or environmentally related, just political issues. You're either this way or that way. You can't be in the middle where we're all in the middle. You and I yeah. come from two different uh, ideology backgrounds and we're, we agree on about hundred percent of things, right. which is, uh, which is cool, but it's just, it just goes to show. I mean, it's right. Like, look at Donnie Maria. Well, you, you're too you're too young for Donnie Maria Osmond. Anyway, she was cunt or he was cunt. I don't know. Forget. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> the U.S. though, for for just to compare with with the U.S. So we look at this U.S. So I was I was looking at um, so uh, Beyond Meat bought uh, uh, signed a contract with uh, uh, Einride to start uh, using electric vehicles. Right, and I I, I put out a, a article about that today on Back to Truck Up. Uh, but so I was looking at different things and because they do the beyond meat. So I wanted to bring in the cow now that, you know, they're going green with the, with the meat and stuff. And now they're doing electricity. It's very, or electric vehicles, very cool. So I want to see just how true it is about cattle in the United States. 3% and check out this chart right here that I'll throw up. Um, it, uh, about 3% of the, uh, greenhouse gases come from, uh, cattle in the United wow. States. That's crazy. Um, which is is not nearly what you're looking at in the UK, at, at least for for land as well. It's it's very small, eleven percent total agricultural here. Because when you start looking at it, I believe in that article uh, in the UK they do talk about some things that we didn't 
cover was uh, they talked about the landmass being like 85% of it is, is used for that. But the greenhouse gas is where you start getting to it. I think it was like 14.5% or 20% of their greenhouse gas emissions there in England are caused by that. And in within that is, is also like it is in the United States, it's 11%. It includes... Uh, the food production to feed the, the the cattle and the chickens, et cetera, and the pigs. It also includes the energy and the carbon footprint to uh, transport them, to process them, to process and send the meat to market. All that stuff is included. The total carbon footprint and gas emissions are in there. It's not just the methane as we usually people like to talk about and say, you know, a car uh, or a, a cow emits so much uh, pollution that if we stop 30% of our uh, consumption, we would save the planet. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> That's not yeah. a true statement. They, I mean, they, it has good intentions, I guess, but it's, there's so many things wrong with it. I can't even get into it right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, just, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. Look up the facts and talk to people and, and stop pointing fingers and saying, you eat meat, you're killing the planet. Nah, it's not necessarily true. Let's, let's maybe have a few less cheeseburgers and, and we'll, our, our, our uh, you know, our greenhouse gases will go down a little bit and we'll also have uh, our emergency rooms will be a little clearer. <laughs> well, I guess it, it goes, it comes down to that, like all of our systems need to be rethought, right? Like all of the environments around the world have different issues and what's working for one country is not going to work for all countries. I mean, ultimately, 100%. there's no there's no harm to reducing the amount of meat that you consume. Like 100%. There, there's nothing that will like desperately go wrong with that. It would be something that you could do to be a little more intentional. But at the end of the day, like we need to have these scientific conversations, like I was saying before, like, and we need to rethink the systems that we've relied on so long because they have worked in the past and they could work in the future, maybe with some minor tweaks, but we need to be having those conversations. You know Agreed. I mean? Agreed. Tying in the yeah. beef to, to vehicle emissions, like the electric vehicles. Same thing as you're talking about. Think about this process. We've we started with uh, back in the day. Uh, you couldn't even get unleaded fuel <laughs> when I when I was a kid. There's no such thing. It's just it was leaded and it's going to kill you. There's no such thing as a catalytic converter or any of that crap. Right. Um, and then you got unleaded and it was too expensive, so nobody bought it. But uh, so when they talk about taking like a diesel engine or a car engine or something like that and reducing the emissions by fifty percent, right? Uh, they've already reduced it by 97. <laughs> okay, we've come that far down right. down the road, right? So as right. we look at the overall emissions and we're trying to create reduce the the carbon footprint of of everything of all human existence, right? Yeah. Eventually, we're going to come down to that finding that eight <laughs> percent that is cattle, right? right? So the conversations now are relevant and uh, and necessary. Right. It's kind of like Eisenhower uh, said. Um, you know, uh, planning or, or, or peace, uh, plans made during peacetime are, are irrelevant, but the process of planning is uh, essential. Well, I guess that, I mean, going back into something I was just thinking, like, do we, like, I almost feel like we have to propose every policy we can think of just to get ideas out there and to get like maybe creativity flowing and to start these conversations. Like maybe it's not so bad that the government is saying, all right, here's all these policies we want to implement and then receiving feedback and generating sure. these conversations. And it's like, you know, we can make these plans, but we need to know that they're with like a grain of salt until we really figure out what the good thing is. Like I'm very pro let's get everything out there. Let's get all these ideas out there. And then it generates the conversation in ways that like, otherwise it would not be generated. So I think that uh, is it. That's kind of interesting, you know. 
A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And there may be those that would say, well, they're only doing it so they can uh, figure out how the votes are going to go. Um, that's how society works, folks. Um, what do you like? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and you vote for it and those are the policies, right? And the ones yeah. who implement those policies, you keep electing. I mean, that, this, that's not a bad thing. That's how it works. Right. Um, kind of. But, Maybe you don't agree it, with the system, but that's what the system is right now. So the only yeah. thing that we can do is either A, work to change the system or B, work to get our interests on the, t- on the radar of the system. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it works. That's how it works yeah. until you can find a good benevolent dictator to take over. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyways, let's move on. Let's, we got a second article here that I thought yeah. was really cool. Uh, we, I've talked about this before and this kind of, when I saw this one, it, it, it hit home, uh, for me because I, I, I studied, uh, uh, Fitch, not Han, uh, back in the day when I was younger, uh, Eastern philosophy and Zen Buddhism and all that other kind of stuff and, uh, pretty cool stuff. But anyways, the world.org, a, uh, a, a article there by Adam Wernick, uh, about Zen and the art of saving the planet, which is a book by Fitch, not Han. Um, and I believe that, uh, sister true dedication, who is a Buddhist nun, collaborated with him. I think if you go through the article, you'll see that if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm not wrong, then cool. But she she deserves some credit anyways, because she studied under Thich Nhat Hanh for a long, long time. And she wow. is kind of the spokesperson for this because Thich Nhat Hanh died at the age of 95 a few years back, uh, but but had completed this. The other thing that is really kind of cool about this, and some people that are listening to this are thinking about that and know where that title came from, or are thinking, where have I heard that? Great book, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance from back in the hippie days. Very cool what? book. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, no, check it out. It's not anything that you would you would think, Emma. Uh, being a scientific person, you might really enjoy it. It's a, it's a pretty okay. cool, pretty cool I'm book. I'm in. That's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance is pretty cool. And pick up some of Zen stuff. Zen, or uh, Fitch Not Hans. Zen Keys and Zen Steps and a, and a couple other ones that are really cool. But anyways, the cool. new book teaching the Zen Buddhist practice of mindfulness to help us stop the madness of mindless consumption that is killing the planet. That's my mm. review of what the book is about. That's mine. That's not his. Um, but anyway, so it, 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 the, the book is encouraging the mindfulness and, and really the meditations and that we talked about this once before. Whatever the, the hand finds to do, do just that. Being present in that, that, that moment is what they're talking about here mm-hmm. um, because we're all – our compassions and our suffering – can wake us up to what is actually happening around this world, right? If you, if you be just exist and think about it, it means it doesn't mean you have to sit there and, and do the whole everything and the, and the breathing exercises, although I highly recommend them because they're awesome. Uh, but just, just take a breath. You ever, so, I mean, you, you live in Boston, right? You ever go to like the Cape or the shore and you go out there and it's just perfect. It's just yeah. perfect. And you step out and you kind of look and you wait for a second and you just look up and you go, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. Those moments right there, if you mindfully have practice those moments throughout the day, mm-hmm. things start to get better and we can start to help this planet. Kind of what they're talking about here. 
Yeah, that's very cool. I, I was reading this quote from Sister True Dedication, actually. So so she lived in the Plum Village community, which Nat Han founded in France. Um, and she still lived there, I think, even after he died. Um, but they used to call him Faye, which is Vietnamese for teacher, which I thought was really nice. Um, that's cool. You know, teaching in the ways um, of Zen. But she was quoted as saying, we don't need a second car. We don't need a bigger house. We don't need more vacations. We just need to change the way we look and experience things and discover the happiness that is already there for us, which is kind of like what you were saying. So it's, um, you know, really focusing on the happiness that is there with you at any given moment. And maybe, you know, as someone who likes to take vacation, maybe that isn't a vacation, but actually experiencing that you're not just going for, you know, your, your, just to say you have it or to have these material possessions, the house and the car, like you're there because you are experiencing every moment and you're living with Zen and you're learning to appreciate the planet like in that way. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So she, yeah, no, she, let's talk, yeah, let's talk sorry. about that for a second though, because yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. And, and, and I've been studying this and I've been meditating for years. I mean, yeah. like probably 45 years since I've been wow. like 12 or 13 years old. Anyways, uh, not, they're not, they're not saying that you need to, to, climb the steps in the Himalayans or something like this and, and give up everything and start spinning the prayer wheels and, and, and shave your head, do all this. They're not saying that. They're not even saying that you can't have a nice house or a nice car or a vacation right. home saying, realize you don't need that. You're right. here. Are you really going to destroy this earth, earth and what's around you just so you can have another car when you already have right. one? Let's make some mindful choices. Let's think for a second and go, okay, on my way to go buy that Porsche, there might be a, a, a person sitting on their own that could use five bucks. And yeah. <laughs> so if you don't want to throw them five bucks, go around the corner, buy a cheeseburger and hand it to them. <laughs> right. Something like that. You know, you, you know, right. That's what we're talking about. And it's also kind of a sense of community. I mean, I'm sure that they felt that way in the Plum Village community in France that they lived in. But like, it's also a sense of like, yes, I could use this to better myself, but I can better the situation of my planet and all the fellow people that kind of live on the planet. Like I can use my situation in that way. I don't know if that's what they're teaching, but this is kind of my interpretation. It's like, I don't need to go buy myself a new car. I don't need the latest gadget. I don't need the latest iPhone. I don't need a huge house. Like I am here in my surroundings and I, you know, I, I can use my role here, even if it's not monetary to help other people and help the planet that we live on, because ultimately we are all connected, right? Like it goes, it even yeah. goes back to the first article. It goes back to being Zen. Like we are all here connected on the planet together. And we need to realize that ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, and Fitch, not a hunt, he called that the insight of interbeing to understand that we are connected to everything else. And it's not, I mean, some may go and it, and it does go as far as the mystical connected to everything else. And, and the sound is, the vibration is God and Nadi Brahma and all that other kind of thing. It does, mm -hmm. but you don't have to go that far. Just understand that what you do has an impact yeah. on what is going. And more importantly, what you don't do has an impact. If you don't Great. think you're the problem, you are. <laughs> right? Yeah. And right. It, one of the things that uh, Sister True Dedication, I love this, where she says that one of the greatest gifts of this mindfulness is the gift of listening. And we we're just talking about that in the previous yeah. article, right? I was just also, I was just thinking about this too. I mean, especially like since starting podcasting, you know, I was, especially during all the political, like, 
tumultuousness that we've had in the US. Like people are very like one side against the other. And and it really comes down to like you said in the last article, we're so similar. Like we're all in the middle, but we're led yeah. to believe that we have to be against one another. And if we just sit and listen to each other and talk to each other, like so many great things can happen, but so many people are not willing to listen. They feel like they want to teach. They want to tell you something, but they're not willing to listen to the other side. And this has been a struggle for me, like since starting podcasting, I'm like, okay, hold your tongue. Like, let's just listen. Like, let's just hear what this person has to say. And, and, you know, make yourself a better person because you're there listening and you're paying attention to the world yeah. around you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and she, she goes on even, even, even further and deeper to the, to the kind of the weird irony, as she calls it, as, as sister true dedication notes, um, in this is, uh, that only by getting in touch with our suffering, can we find our way out of it, uh, out of our, out of our suffering. Right. So you have to understand that it's there. It's not, walking around like a monk, uh, back in the days, like, uh, you know, um, uh, Monty Python would show, you know, they want it uh, and then smack themselves in the head with a board, with a prayer board. Right. You know? <laughs> That's not what we're talking about, uh, right. or self mutilation or anything like that. It is understanding that we as humans do suffer and we're suffering and what is causing that you get in touch with that, then you can get out of it. Right. So mm-hmm. what is the mindfulness? What is it that's going on? And she talks about the oil executives that are in their offices, running these companies and doing a lot of good for people and providing energy and doing all this other kind of stuff, but getting to that mindfulness and understanding, um, you need to lean into kind of those dark places there to figure out, okay, what can I bring out of my position that I'm in today that is going to help the situation or help people? Or is there even a situation? And having that mindfulness helps you discover those, right? Yeah. It may not, you know, if you're just going through the day and you think I'm not causing any pain to anybody, you are mm-hmm. somehow, right? And that's what they're talking about is enter your suffering, find it, be mindful because there's something there and you will find it. And then you can, then you can go forth and, and do positive. And we're getting really mystical and deep and, and stuff like really that into are. this. But all you have to do is, is bring it back up to the surface. And it's really not, it, it, it's right. really just, I'm going to buy this. Is that the right thing to buy? Right. Right. That, Let me live with a little more intention and figure out, like, make sure that the person that made this isn't suffering. Let me make sure that my money is going to someone who's trying to do good. Let me vote with my dollar. Let me um, make sure that I'm living my life as intentional as I possibly can and not doing any purposeful harm to other people or the planet, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Where yeah. can I help? And once you start looking for those things, you'll find out just how easy it can be. Agreed. How easy. Yeah. Super, super easy. I will say super a little book, a little book recommendation, maybe just for you. You can cut this yeah, if you want. Right on. I gave you, I gave you one. <laughs> yeah. Something, so a book I really enjoyed was um, the 10 people you meet in heaven or the five people you meet in heaven. Or oh, something like you this. know what? I've never read, read that. I've been told to read. I've been told to read that yeah. before, but I never it's, have. It's yeah. not a religious book. So like no. I shied away from it for years. Cause I was like, Oh heaven, like it's probably going to be something. And my sister recommended it. And it's basically just the whole point of the story is like you affect people's lives every single day with every single decision that you make, whether consciously or not consciously, like, it's basically like goes through people's lives and stories and, and I won't give it away, but it's, you, you realize it makes you really think about how connected you are to everybody else on the planet. So it, mm. it's a huge, huge pro for me. Um, that was a huge book that kind of turned my mind around to like, oh, it's not all about me. Like there are other people that affected every time I leave the house. So uh, yeah, that's a good Very book cool. if you want to 
there you go. You got two, you got two book recommendations from us. So there There you go. y'all. Yeah. Um, this has been a great discussion and we can dig into this deeper if people want to. Um, and we'll get to that in a minute, but what kind of, we got, we got a, we got shows in the bank. We got some shows coming up. What are some shows we got coming up? We got some great shows coming up. So we have, um, in no particular order, um, we have Thomas Healy of Helion talking about, uh, alternative fuels. Um, so that should be a super interesting show. Um, we also have Joshua Linden from Bay Cities Packaging and Design. He does um, like sustainability um, in CPG and like displays for stores and end caps and stuff like that. Um, oh, we cool. also have someone coming. Oh, sorry. Did you have more to say about that one? No, 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 no. Please roll. Cool. We also have um, someone coming on from Primex Plastics. Um, it might be David Boudreaux. It might not be. But um, anyway, we have someone coming on from there who's going to talk to us about recycled plastics in MFG, which should be super Manufact- Yeah, they're a manufacturer, man. Primex is huge. They're, they're the devil. They're not the devil. They're not the devil, but they depend on plastics and their customers are looking for stuff and they're trying to trying to use recycled plastics. So it's great to get that side of the, we promise that's what we we're going to be talking about, right? These guys are great. I've talked to David and yeah. the people over there. They're making well, stuff Well, it'll be cool to get the other side of it too. You know, yeah, we're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. they're the actual plastic people. So let's hear from them and see what they have. To right on. Right. Let's hear what's going on there, man. Let's make this yeah. cool. We also have um, um, Elizabeth Ackman. She's coming from Low Tides Ocean Products, which is was, like uh Beach chairs and towels that are made from recycled ocean plastics, which should be super interesting. Um, I have a I have a low tide chair myself, which I love very much. Oh, do you um, really? Yeah, I, I was do. I was checking yes. those out. I'm gonna have to get one. I've got a couple of uh, I've got I've got two Adirondacks from uh, Pollywood. That is oh, cool. a uh, recycled plastic furniture maker in the Carolinas, and uh, right. I've got a swing from them as well, which is oh, cool, cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I awesome. got a beach chair for Christmas one year, and I was like. This is awesome. My mom, like, it's recycled. I'm like, this is even more awesome than I thought before. They, no, because no, I put I put her logo up on on our thing as as supporters and guests of the show, right? Yeah. Uh, on our website. Uh, you can link right to them right there. That's a cool thing. If you go to our website and you go down there and you see these things, you hear anything we're talking about, there's links right to those those companies. So you can go in there and find their products, support them, find out yeah. what they're doing there. And you don't have to just take our word for it. You can you can see what they're actually doing there. And but go they're, check um, it out beforehand and let us know if you have questions because now amen. you know they're coming on the show. Like, go check it out. And if you have anything you want us to ask, we're more than happy. Shoot us an email, write to me on Instagram or LinkedIn, and point. we will ask the hard-hitting questions, people. So That is a great point. You can go right to Bay City or Highland or whatever, and we're going to have yeah. – and, and we'll ask them those questions. That is a great point. That's that's a perfect point. Um, yeah. yeah, cool. Like, If you got a question, you got a topic, you got a company, you got a product, or you're looking for a company or you're looking for a product, hit us up. Uh, watch our stuff because that's what we're doing, and it's very interesting things. At least we think so. Uh, and hit us up at the sustainiacs at gmail.com. You can, you can reach us and you can hit, uh, myself or, or Emma through there. We're also on yeah. TikTok and Facebook as the sustainiacs on Instagram, the sustainiacs. I'm Michael Vincent on Insta or on, uh, sorry, on, on, on LinkedIn. You can hit me there and, and, uh, Emma, you're what? OPT underscore Emma. OPT right? underscore Emma on Instagram. Yep. So you can find me I like there and I all our stuff listed in the link in my bio. So you can always, if you can't find our website because those people have it, you can always come to mine and I have a link right there to our website. So people can just click right there. So <laughs> awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Thank you all for uh, listening and watching Emma. You have a great rest of your evening and everybody. Peace and love. Be good to each other and the planet. Thanks y'all.